Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Mary Beth. This is the Audio Buffet. Ladies and gentlemen, the magnificent, the marvelous, the beautiful, my wife, Mary Beth. Um, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) It's a heck of an introduction. I've never given Jeremy an introduction like that. It's a lot of hype to live up to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you're pretty swell. Thanks. And you are joining me today because Jeremy has taken a little bit of paternity leave. I let the the Twitter sphere, if I can use that (laughs) ridiculously annoying term, uh, let them know that Jeremy and his wife had their little baby girl. Yay, and she is beautiful. Yes, yes. Much, much beautiness and cuteness was happened. <laughs> um, yep, so Jeremy's taking a quick little break, and he'll be back. In the meantime, you get to hang out with me and my wife. And she's pretty awesome, so should be good. So, I have beer. Me too. Yay. It happens to be the same one. The one that I got this time is from Hardywood. Hardywood is based out of Richmond, Virginia. The particular beer that we have tonight is the Bourbon Crew. Now, the bottle says Bourbon Barrel Crew, but Beer Advocate just says Bourbon Crew. Whatever. This is an Abbey-style quadruple ale that's been aged in bourbon whiskey barrels, which sounds so happy. Let's go ahead and go through the acronym that we use to taste a beer to its fullest extent. That acronym is the word LAST. The L stands for look. It's pretty. It is pretty. Almost a mahogany. It has no head. No, not at all. At all. It looks like apple juice, actually. I think Coca-Cola has more head than this stuff. But, I mean, you know, that's okay. It does look pretty. Now, as far as the SRM goes on this one... Standard reference method. I would... Probably gauge this one probably in the high 30s, maybe the low 40s. Looks about right. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it with the, the mahogany. Now, the second letter in last is A, which stands for agitate. So very carefully, we will swirl this around the glass. Still no head on this really? thing. Then we will move quickly onto the S, which is smell. It smells fruity. I thought I was getting some honey. You can definitely smell the whiskey in it, though. That's the first smell, for sure. It's it's making my mouth water. It smells great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so without further ado, let us move on to the T, which stands for taste. Oh, my gosh. That is delicious. I mean, it tastes like whiskey that's a beer. Or beer that's a whiskey. I don't know which. It's a beer-ski. I definitely think it has a nice, like, kind of brown sugar taste to mm. it, though. Yeah, there is that uh, that rich molasses, almost a, uh, I don't want to use the word prune, because that has different connotations, but like a dried plum taste, kind of that, uh, that stickiness, almost. That is really, really happy. That's good. That's a good beer. <laughs> and it's really smooth, too. It's not particularly bitter at all. No, it goes down nice. It, uh, according to Beer Advocate, as well as Hardywood, it only has 18 IBUs. International bitterness units. So it's really, really low on the IBU scale anyway. But it still has a nice complexity to it. It's definitely not something simple that you would just throw back. There's a lot to savor there and enjoy. 
Yeah, and the uh, the price tag that comes on this thing, this was like an $11 bottle of beer. It's one of the big bottles. It's the big... So it's a big bottle. It had a cork on the top. It was it looked all fancy-schmancy when I bought it and everything, but the uh, the price tag definitely says, you know, you don't take this to a party unless you just really like those people. It's a beer to impress special friends that appreciate yeah. what they're drinking. Well, you know, like how some people bring a bottle of wine if somebody invites them to dinner? Like, you could bring this beer and pour small glasses of it and depending on your hosts they would just be knocked out of their seats by it because the stuff is so dang good it is good so what would you pair it with i would probably save this for a dessert i i think Should you have it with a cigar oh absolutely absolutely yeah that would be that would be happy just the whiskey connotation in there uh it would be really nice but I think as far as food goes, um, I think it'd be good with cheesecake. I think anywhere where you would put fruit, mm-hmm. this beer would go well. That's why I was thinking pork, like nice dry mm-hmm. rubbed pork ribs. Yeah. The smokiness would go well with it too. Yeah. I wouldn't put it with fish. It would just completely overpower the fish. It's not a fish and chips sort of beer. Nah, you would just push your food aside. <laughs> I don't need that. This food is making me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just chew my beer. <laughs> you almost could. The stuff is so, it's got such a heavy mouth feel in a pleasant way. Yeah, and as far as the ABV goes, Alcohol by volume. this one's looking at 12%. So, <laughs> Get your money's worth. Yeah, I'd say so. So not only are you uh, getting a, a meal in a bottle here, <laughs> you're also getting a little tipsy. Probably all the calories you need for a week, but... We don't even think about that. I'm going to cut that part out anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about calories on this sorry, show. Sorry. <laughs> this has been Beardjucation. Tune in next time for another riveting lesson. And now, on with the show. Okay, we're back, and my lovely wife is still with us. So today, we are actually going to be talking about something that has been getting a lot more press in the last few years i would say probably probably the last five or so years it's really been kind of a buzz topic and that is gmos genetically modified organisms yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so let's start with a definition of what a gmo is you just said what the letters stand for genetically modified organism According to the Institute for Reasonable Technology, their GMO education page says a GMO, or genetically modified organism, is the result of a laboratory process where genes from the DNA of one species are extracted and artificially forced into the genes of an unrelated plant or animal. The foreign genes may come from bacteria, viruses, insects, animals, or even humans. Right, so it's not the same thing as like crossbreeding, which has been going on as long as agriculture has been around where people are just mixing and matching different genetic traits naturally this is happening in a lab and it's really been mainstream in our food since the 1990s so it's pretty recent yeah and like you mentioned it's not so much genetic selection so much as this artificial selection to get better crops out of better i mean that's you know been going on since we decided that, hey, I want to grow this instead of just having to go out into the woods and find it. Yeah, I'm going to take the biggest, prettiest, juiciest, sweetest tomato, and I'm going to save the seeds from that one instead of the scrawny little disease-prone tomato. And it just, that's natural. 
where we get into the unnatural part of things is when we start screwing around with part of the crop in order to make it do something or resistant to something else. You mentioned that GMOs really got rolling around the mid-1990s or so, mm-hmm. which really isn't that terribly long ago. That's only about 20 years. Now, which crops are probably the most modified that you're aware of? The most modified ones are definitely the crops like wheat, corn, soy, and sugar. That's where we see it the most, although anything is potentially genetically modified. Chances are that if you're eating food that isn't labeled no GMOs, even if it's labeled organic, there's still a good chance that what you're eating has been genetically modified. Okay, yeah, and I want to come back to the labeling because there's definitely something that I want to talk about in a little bit. But you said corn, wheat, soy, and sugar? Yes. I had, I'd had heard it the oh, first time. Oh, and cotton. Thing. forgot about cotton. That and cotton? Too. Yeah. Well, I don't so eat par- cotton. No, apparently we do. It's in some of the foods that we eat. We eat cotton? Like cottonseed oil kind of thing? Or? Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> Okay. Delicious t-shirts. Mm, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so they call them Frankenfoods. Frankenfoods. Although the literature nerds would prefer if we said Frankenstein's monster foods. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing about those four crops in particular is they're in everything. Since becoming more aware of what GMOs are and what kind of an impact they're having and the companies that support these GMOs and actually create these genetically modified crops are culpable of, I don't, I read the ingredients list a lot more carefully than I used to. And since I started doing that more religiously, it seems it's in everything. You can't find very many products unless you go to like the hippie section of the grocery store that doesn't either have wheat or soy, or corn, or sugar. Yeah, they put an ingredients that has no business being there. Like a can of tuna packed in water has soy in it. Why would you need soy in your tuna? Pretty sure Flipper's not out there going, oh, this is delightful edamame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so strange. And corn, for that matter, too. It's gone into everything. You get this high fructose corn syrup that's used as an artificial sweetener for a whole lot of stuff and people are they think to themselves okay well i don't really want to do the high fructose corn syrup because i hear that's bad for me so then they don't know why and we'll get to that too so i'm going to go ahead and go for this uh mountain dew that's made with natural sugar they're calling it dew shine now i saw it at the store it's not even green so i can approve of that it's just kind of clear but i don't know it's basically mountain dew throwback without the food coloring in it that's funny. They're trying to make a step in the right direction without actually doing anything that's beneficial yeah. to your so health. Yeah, so instead of the high fructose corn syrup, they've got sugar, but it's still a genetically modified crop. And, I, well, I can give them some props for getting rid of the yellow five. That was a pretty nasty agent there. Well, in my mind, the GMO debate really is split into two sides. One being the first negative you might think is just that it's weird that we're eating food that's been altered. And because it's a recent scientific development, we don't actually know. We don't have the longevity studies to prove whether it's safe or not. And other countries, Australia, Japan, Europe, they require that these foods be labeled. And there's no requirement for that here. So that's one side of the issue, just that we don't know what it is. And the other side, and really the scarier side, is... Uh, what Monsanto has been doing with Roundup and engineering fruits and vegetables, their grains, they started with a soybean, to be 
resistant to their own Roundup spray. So that has opened up a whole can of worms. And that's really why it's hit the news recently is because they've been doing new studies on this glyphosate, which is actually proven to be really, really harmful to human health. So this chemical, they spray it on all the fields so that it, it's an herbicide to kill all the plants, except for the plants that are genetically engineered to withstand this chemical. So we're actually ingesting the toxin. Hmm. Yeah, and I did hear, I think you were the one that told me about this, that one study, was it a, a Swedish family or a Swiss family or something? So they tested their urine and they found traces of all kinds of pesticides and herbicides and just really bad stuff. And then they had this family go on a completely organic diet for, was it a month? I think so, or a couple of weeks. Not a really long time. Yeah, it was a very short amount of time. And then they tested their urine again, and there wasn't a trace of any of that in there. Which is actually should give us a lot of hope that it is possible to rid ourselves of these toxins. Because the studies that have come out recently, it actually links this glyphosate, which is in Roundup. So everything that they spray with this um, has actually scientifically, not just speculatively, been linked to autism and allergies, cancer, infertility, multiple sclerosis, depression, obesity, ALS, and a, a ton of other things too. So that should give us hope that this family is actually able to eliminate the yeah. evidence of those toxins from their body just by eating cleanly. Yeah, it really does give uh, at least a glimmer of hope. The body's pretty good at healing itself. And actually, these crops themselves are pretty good at healing themselves. The weeds are pretty good at healing themselves. There's all these super weeds now. Well, they're that super are, adaptive, right? Yeah, exactly. They're fighting back. They don't want to be killed, so they're mutating. They're going to well, yeah. take over the world. Well, one of the craziest things that I've heard is Monsanto has actually gotten legislation passed to where it's illegal for farmers to save any of the seed from their crops for the next season's planting. So they are bound by law to buy new seed from a seed company. It doesn't say that it has to be Monsanto, but they have to buy new seed from a seed company if they want to plant a crop the next season. Now, one of the biggest reasons that they do that is, according to them, it's because of these genetic modifications that they've made in the seed. They say that this is you know, their intellectual property. They own the patents on these modifications. Therefore, if the farmers did keep any of it and plant it and then made money off of it, they would be stealing based on these patents. What I have also heard, and there have been studies where people have said, you know what, screw you, I'm just going to save it and plant it anyway. Within a few generations, those modifications start going away. They will actually start falling off, basically, because they don't belong in the genetic code of these crops. Which should also give us hope that should there be any kind of apocalypse or something like that, within a few years, whatever seeds that you started with, you would end up with, you know, good for you, organic seed. It's actually possible to heal our land if we could stop the current system. Yeah. So little glimmer of hope there. Now let's get back to the labeling issue, because you had mentioned that in Europe, if a product contains an ingredient that comes from a genetically modified crop, a label has to go on that final product. Right. Now, I for one think that's a great idea because even if 
even if you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. Even if there's absolutely nothing wrong with genetically modified organisms, even if you don't care, whatever it might be, let's say you do care. I'd kind of like to know. Absolutely, I think the consumer has the right to know and to make that informed decision. Yeah, and you know, if it freaks a lot of people out, then you really got to ask the question: Well, why is this freaking them out? Maybe we need to take a look at this. And if there's nothing wrong with it, then people are going to do the investigation and they're going to discover, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with it. So if this says GMO, that just means that it's been poked before it got stuck on the ground. As it is, it's just like super shady. Like, what are you trying to hide? Why can't I know what I'm eating? Right. It's very suspicious. And again, to not exactly play devil's advocate, but devil's mouthpiece, what companies like Monsanto have been saying... And let me take a quick uh, sidebar right here. Monsanto is the essentially the monopoly of seed companies. They're the ones that do the majority of the genetic modifying to the crops, at least in the U.S., uh, but also in large part around the world. There are only two countries in the world right now that have banned uh, GMO crops. That's Kenya and Peru. And Kenya is taking a second look at that. I really hope that they decide not to overturn that because I see that as a step forward. The reason Monsanto doesn't want final products to be labeled GMO if they do contain these genetically modified crops is because they say, you know, there's so much scaremongering out there and there's been such harsh propaganda against GMOs that people are going to see that and not buy these products. I can understand that, but at the same time, it's like you're saying, well, if there's nothing wrong with it, why don't you just tell people exactly what it is with evidence that's irrefutable? And then we'll all say, oh, okay, cool. Let's go eat some high fructose corn syrup with a spoon. Right. However, the evidence that we can see so far is since the introduction of GMOs to the market, we've seen just huge exponential increase in diseases like autism and cancer and things like that that are hard to explain but I'm not saying there's definite causality but there's definitely been a lot of research done that shows that it's very very likely yeah and one one answer to that very objection is the fact that it's not the GMO that is causing any kind of health issues at all it's the stuff that's being sprayed on to the GMOs. Yeah, that's great. It's the glyphosate. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'm not going to go out and pour Roundup on my tongue. That would be <laughs> Don't stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> and probably gross. <laughs> yeah, that would be stupid and terrible and disgusting. What would also be rather disgusting is if I went out and licked a manure pile. The difference Fair is enough. which one of those garden additives is going to kill me. You know, I it might not be pleasant to lick the manure pile, but uh, it's probably not going to be death. Yeah. And a whole nother aspect to it is um, how it's affecting the ecology around the farming areas. The whole it's by killing non-discriminately all the weeds. Mm -hmm. You're really decreasing the biodiversity in the area, which, you know, it has huge compounding effects like a ripple effect. Yeah. It's true. Wow. That's very, very true because you have to have a very large amount of plant life in order to support the herbivores lower on the food chain, which then support the carnivores, which there are fewer of higher up on the food chain, and then up and up and up and up, all in favor of corn that doesn't have 
blight. Exactly. You know, I always remember when I hear people talking about, you know, spraying crops with whatever it might be, whether it's Roundup or whatever it was. Back in the, I want to say it was the 70s, maybe before then, they were spraying crops with DDT. Now, this was another terribly, terribly dangerous chemical that they didn't think that there was anything wrong with back then. So much so that they would actually spray neighborhoods with DDT by way of uh, mosquito control. And kids would ride their bikes behind these DDT trucks so that they would get some of that chemical on them because they they you know, they put one and one together and realize, hey, if I ride my bike behind this truck, then I'm not going to get bit with mosquitoes. Unreal. Now those same people are much older and they're having serious health issues. And like you were saying earlier, the thing about GMOs and the crops that are being treated with these pesticides and herbicides that the crops are now immune to, there are no 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds that have grown up their entire life being exposed to these crops. So we don't have those long-term test results, basically. We don't have a long-term study available yet. However, we can look at Argentina to see a case study of what happens when a concentrated amount of these chemicals are allowed to be apply liberally, there's pretty much no regulations, or at least none that are really enforced Hmm. down there for where and how much to spray Roundup. And there have been a tremendous increase in birth defects and all kinds of really horribly sad illnesses and disabilities caused from these chemicals, basically because they're being sprayed right outside of residents' homes and schools and in populated areas in higher concentrations. So that's actually a really clear picture of what we're doing to ourselves just in smaller doses here. Now, have there been specific studies to tie the birth defects directly to the pesticides? Or uh, the reason I'm asking is basically just because I can hear the chemical companies saying, oh, well, you know, the water quality is not as good there. They probably just need some fluoride in their water, which is a whole nother issue. Don't get me started on that one. They, you know, their medical care isn't as good. There's this, there's that. There's a whole lot of different environmental factors. And they're obviously going to say that their product isn't what's causing these defects without some irrefutable evidence to back it up. To the skeptic out there, I would just say, you know, Get on Google, search the web, look up some articles and some scholarly journals. There's a ton of evidence out there. So do your own research. You don't have to take our word for it. Obviously, we are not scientists. Um, We're just people like you that have been doing research because we're concerned. So Yeah. And in the meantime, it doesn't hurt to play it safe. Like you're not doing any wrong to your body by eating organic. You're definitely not going to be hurting yourself. So even if there is absolutely nothing wrong with chugging Roundup by the gallon, which I don't recommend. <laughs> Maybe with disclaimer. a little gin. <laughs> <laughs> On the rocks with a twist of lime. Yeah, no, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Aside from the death aspect. Oh, right, yeah. Not a big gin fan, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, you're you're guaranteed not to hurt yourself by eating better, healthy, fresh, local produce. If you have a farmer's market nearby and they say, hey, we grow this stuff organically, we don't use any pesticides, hey, that's awesome. Support them because they're growing organic, but support them moreover than that because they're local. 
like this is important. It's not these mega farms that we need to be supporting. It's the small multi-crop farms that are really good for the environment because those smaller multi-crops are actually symbiotic in nature, these different crops. Yeah, even if some of those smaller farms are low spray, they still use some chemicals, but not as much as what the big agribusinesses do. Mm-hmm. It's actually makes a huge difference yeah. on the environment as well as just what they're able to produce than, say, if one farmer went completely organic and got certified and all of that. Yeah. It actually is comparable to five farmers going, you know, reducing what they use. Right. But yeah, so if you want to eat better, it would definitely help to have the labeling on there. One of the things that I really wanted to talk about, get back to this, is uh, this issue with Monsanto and labeling specifically in the United States. We don't drink Starbucks anymore, at least in, in my house. We, we, we just don't drink Starbucks anymore because while they're not working together, they're each working toward a similar goal. And that is they're fighting against the state of Vermont. At least they were a couple months ago. I haven't looked lately to find any news updates on this particular case. But they last I saw were fighting against Vermont because Vermont wanted to actually label all of the products that were sold in that state if they had GMOs in it. Starbucks doesn't like that because... Starbucks very proudly uses GMO crops, which I was unaware when I worked for the company. I was really unaware of what a GMO was. Well, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, 10, 11 years ago. On the flip side, though, I would endorse Chipotle, who's actually decided to take a stand and they don't serve any GMO food. And they're so delicious. And it is delicious. And they don't say, hey, as soon as you walk in the door, (laughs) unlike another burrito place I know. (laughs) I won't go to that place just because I don't like the greeting. So we have definitely vilified GMOs a lot so far, but what about the other side of the coin? What about the companies like Monsanto that are producing these crops in order to make them more resilient to uh, pests and resilient against different diseases that have decimated crops. I heard that in Hawaii, some massive percentage, I think it was like 80% of the state's papaya crops were just obliterated by some kind of disease. I don't know if it was a mold or a fungus or some kind of grossness that happens to only papayas or whatever. But through genetic modification, they were able to actually rid papayas of this disease, which if you think about it, a similar thing is happening now with human genetics. You know, we're looking at ways of potentially eliminating certain genes that can make a person more susceptible to certain diseases. Now, does it sound like a good idea to protect a person or a crop against something that would obliterate it? Sure. But at what cost? Well, that's exactly why I made the distinction earlier about there being kind of two different sides of this argument. One side being just, is it okay to genetically modify our food? And the other side being making them resistant to pesticides so that we can then drench them in pesticides. Right. So we're definitely... Obviously, the audio buffet is not anti-science or anti-technology. No, we are not. Um, And I think that those things can be used appropriately. Even genetic modification can be used 
prudently. Um, it's when it's being used to the detriment of human health and the global ecology and, and things like that, that we need to really be skeptical. Yeah, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier. It's not so much the genetically modified organism that is causing problems. It's the crap they spray on it. As far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's entirely possible that one day we're going to... Sprout you know. wings. <laughs> Sweet. Third eyeball. I want a tail. I want a tail. <laughs> or antlers. <laughs> so other things that these seed companies and research facilities are saying in favor of genetic modification is they can produce a ridiculous amount of food by modifying these crops to specifically produce more and to produce bigger and to produce uh, more nutrient rich. I know for one thing, corn has gotten bigger. You know, they're, they're making these seeds and then sending them to places where maybe there isn't a whole lot of land. Maybe it's a, a smaller plot of land that these target areas have to grow their food. And for whatever reason, the other land just isn't fertile. You know, if they send them genetically modified crops that can grow in harsher environments, then they can feed these communities that would otherwise have starved. There are hundreds and thousands of children in Africa that die every single year from hunger. It's some astronomical number a day. I think it's, what is it, something like 80,000 a day in the, in the continent of Africa? Well, it's definitely the biggest argument in favor of genetically modified foods, that that is the only way that we can feed the world, and that if we were to switch to all organic farming and no sprays and no drought-resistant crops, etc., that we wouldn't be able to feed the world. However, economists and scientists and smart people have been crunching the numbers, and actually they've found quite the opposite to be true. In developed countries like ours, there would be about a 20% yield gap. Like farmers would be growing about 20% less if they switched all of a sudden to everything organic. However, in undeveloped countries where actually there is most of the food problem, um, they would see pretty much no gap whatsoever. And even in some crops, it varies crop to crop, uh, they would see an increase. So even in the U.S., we would look at the, the main crops, the wheat, corn, and soy, and there's really a negligible gap. And tomatoes, zero gap. Hmm. They grow just as well with or without spray, which is kind of cool. And they're awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, that's definitely something. Look at the the numbers. I don't have them all on the tip of my tongue, but... They were talking about starvation in sub-Sahara Africa, and that's actually something that instead of sending them, like Monsanto was trying to do, actually pushing these genetically modified seeds on these undeveloped countries, encouraging them to grow them. Um, however, if we were to instead encourage them to grow organically, it would they would actually be able to produce more, feed themselves, and even have excess that they could export. That's crazy. Um, of course, it would take a lot of integration of livestock with your grain so that you'd be like rotating for right. fertilization right, purposes. Yeah. So it would be very complex and it would, you know, it would take a few decades to really integrate it if we were to suddenly try to switch. Hmm. Um, well, plus I think we, we 
touched on it earlier, but smaller farms, if everybody was growing a little bit, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be this huge burden on the land and therefore wouldn't need such heavy fertilization uh, as these massive agribusinesses. It's like back in World War II, people were encouraged to grow what were called victory gardens. Like everybody, hey, grow some of your own food. The reason they did that is so that they would have more food to send off to the troops who were fighting. But the results was everybody had super, super fresh food at home that they didn't have to pay for. The only cost of food that you grow yourself is the time that you put into it it's like printing your own money yeah it's like printing your own food (laughs) (laughs) yum (laughs) and not like the 3d printing although that might happen one day and what will the consequences be of that (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) well this is a really sticky topic no matter which side you're on for this argument it's just heavily mired There's so much more that we could say, but we want to keep this episode timely. So, well, I want to thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, as always. Uh, Jeremy will be back next week. In case you guys miss him, uh, you can go to www.theaudiobuffet.com. Go to the talkback link, do a couple clickety-clacks, and tell Jeremy how much you miss him. You can tell my wife how much you thought she just did a fantastic job. And uh, while you're there, you can go ahead and send us your ideas for future shows and all that good stuff. Just just send us some love. You can also send us some love by telling your friends to go to iTunes or Stitcher. Look for The Audio Buffet and subscribe to our show so they too can learn about fun stuff and just join in on all the fun. In the meantime, here's something for you. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The wizards in genetics are kind enough to propose A lot of reasons why I should believe in GMOs It's not that I don't trust them, and I don't mean to be rude But I still want the list of ingredients that they're putting in my food I want to know, I want to know I want to know, I want to know I want to know, I want to know I want to know they say it's to protect me, but the label never shows How many generations will be born with extra toes It will take many years of tests to get the final scores By then we'll look like the creatures in the bar scene of Star Wars I want to know, I want to know I want to know, I want to know Mr. Monsanto, I may even try When I'm really, really hungry A fish with the head of a fly If you say that it's so harmless Then you got nothing to lose So why don't you just label it I have the right to choose I wanna know, I wanna know 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 
take the time to read an extra line And maybe even look up a word or two Just to make sure I won't feel insecure When I'm cooking dinner with you I wanna know, I wanna know I wanna know, I wanna know. I wanna know, I wanna know.